that's like a good back start. Live in person. Live in person, which is which is good. What do we say? Like live from the nineteen oh three room. Live from the prestigious nineteen oh three room at the Inverness Club. <laughs> We're back with mixed bag. Not abiding by the proper uh, dress code, but that's okay. Don't say that stuff out loud. Okay, so <laughs> welcome back to Mixed Bag, where Justin Cruz and I talk about what's going on in women's golf and whatever other topics pique our interest. Um, so it's a mixed bag of material, and we will start, of course, with your uh, recap of your qualifier. And I'm going to keep you on the clock because I don't need the full play-by-play. It's a very short play-by-play. I played in my annual USGA uh, mid-amateur qualifier yesterday. Uh, we had a near four-hour weather delay before I even started. The wet conditions did not help my limited abilities, and I played very poorly. But I'll probably get motivated next June, and I'll sign up again. Great. So, What was your score, and what was the winning? The winning score was 66. Nice. And I unfortunately shot 81. Yeah. Not Sounds good. very familiar to my fiance's qualifier. Yeah, it it was not a great experience. I probably need firm and fast conditions to best serve my golf game, and incredibly wet was not the ideal situation. But I finished. I posted my score. I smiled at the end, and I will move on. Well, you have six seconds left, so well done. We, we got that in one minute. Let's start with the U.S. Senior Women's Open, where Annika Sorenstam went wire to wire to win by eight strokes at Brooklyn Country Club. Um, it was Annika's first time playing in the championship because the minimum age requirement is 50, and she turned 50 last October. Um, you are a few years older than me, so I was, I was truly just wondering if you remember... Um, Annika playing in any of the women's opens like do you remember watching her at all oh of course and I remember her playing going back to you know Pumpkin Ridge when she didn't win at Pumpkin Ridge and some of the other you know prominent events that she played in she was a big part of coming to the Jamie Farr which became the marathon when I was a kid so growing up she was very very obviously prominent and is a legend and probably the goat in women's golf and it was great to see her back on television. We got a few hits of her earlier this spring in some pro-am type events and some celebrity events. And then she played in the uh, the Florida event near her hometown. At, was it oh, at Lake right. Nona? Yeah. So and made the cut there. So we have seen a little bit of her. And it was great to see a, a legend back on TV and playing so well. So her big, I mean, the thing for her is she technically has earned an exemption into the Women's Open 2022 at uh, Pine Needles, where she won in 1996. I, I mean, I would love to see her playing it, but I'll, we'll see if she does. I think it'd be really good for the event yeah. to have someone that, you know, is such a legend in the game play in the Women's Open at a facility where she won at, it seems to be a very harmonious type situation but Annika is just awesome I mean she retired at 38 in 2008 and she won three events the year she retired you're fine do we stop? No, you're good. Um, <laughs> so we have some guests, so uh, you know, <laughs> Justin's distracted. <laughs> some some visitors, um, but to think she retires at 38 years old in 2008, walks away a year that she played, you know, that she won three times. I understand why she left, and I understand why she walked away, but you almost wonder, 
how many more really good years she could have had. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to put that on somebody. You know, she left oh, and wanted gosh. to start a family and step away from golf, and it's not an uncommon um, experience. But, you know, to win, to walk away a year where you win uh, three times is pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wanted to share, we're going to call it, we have a new segment. We're calling it Birdies of whatever tournament or championship we're talking about so highlights of the week okay mine was dana epster um she is a teaching pro at turlock golf and country club in california she was tied with annika for the lead after the first round with a 67 and her post-round interview is amazing she like she talks about like she's very inspirational she's talking about how like I'm telling I'm telling myself the things I tell the juniors that I work with, and it was just really sweet. You can see it on the USJ's Instagram. Um, but she went on to still have a good championship, and I hope we get to see more of her. I think overall, it just like pulled out great personalities for the week. And I think there's a good vibe to the event. The players yes. seem to be fairly relaxed. Um, don't take themselves too seriously. Totally. I'd say, you know, my birdie of the week, if you will, was the golf course. I thought it looked great on television. The condition looked phenomenal. Uh, you know, the setup seemed fair. Annika played the best. She wins by eight shots. Um, but I thought the golf course was a huge success coming off of Chicago golf a couple of years ago. This event is being elevated to some unique places that maybe don't fit for a women's open or a men's open. Yeah. But for this championship, they seem to be really good fits. All right, what was your rating for the U.S. Senior Women's Open? Okay, so you had the GOAT of champions winning, <laughs> yep. and she dominated. And as I said, the course was in really good shape. The TV coverage was was pretty strong. Yeah. You had some other familiar names uh, in the mix, but it wasn't super competitive at the end. Sure. And we have to be careful with these ratings. You can't just start handing out prisoner of the moment high <laughs> ratings right so i gave this a 4.1 out of 5 even okay. though it was annika even though it was awesome i hope she parlays this into playing at pine needles next year which would just be fire this was a 4.1 it's a solid grade it's a good event on a well-maintained good golf course with a great champion okay 4.1 i stand by that like rating set the standard high I know. We need okay. to start having some less successful events so we can get some events in the twos and threes. Right, right. Okay, okay. Well, moving on to another USGA championship was the U.S. Women's Amateur. Uh, came the week after the U.S. Senior Women's Open, and Jensen Castle won it by defeating Vivian Hu 2-1 and one in a 36-hole championship final. Um, that week is just a lot of golf. It was at Westchester Country Club. Um, and when I say a lot of golf, there's two rounds of stroke play to determine the 64-player bracket. Jensen had to play her way into the bracket in a 12-player playoff for two spots, which was very fun to watch. Her and her teammate from University of Kentucky um, both got into match play. I have a great video of it on my Instagram. Um, and then she plays four matches, followed by the 36 holes in the final. I just can't imagine playing that much competitive golf. It's a lot. I mean, those events are a grind, especially when you look at the context of with the, the men's am this week at oakmont and all the weather delays that oh, they're having no groove you can't get into any right sort of it is groove. a grind and you've got to get into a rhythm and every match becomes its own entity and its own story and its own right and the ebbs and flows and i mean for the 63 seed to get through the playoff just to get into match play to advance 
I mean, it was a, a long, long grind for her and a very deserved champion. And the moment that you were referencing on Instagram when she's, cele when she's celebrating yeah. with her teammate after making it into match play was really cool. Yeah, and it was over. I mean, I thought overall it was just like it's a great week for women's golf. It's a great time to see who are going to be the next professional players, some even just like the next college players. Um, but my birdie of the U.S. Women's Amateur was it's kind of I don't know if it's like a negative or a positive, but most of the bigger names didn't make it past the round of 64 or 32. Defending champion Rose Zhang, who is going to Stanford, um, lost her round of 64 match, and so did the medalist of stroke play, Rachel Keane. And both of them happened to make the Curtis Cup team, which is like the um, USA versus GBNI um, match play event coming up over in Wales. Um, but it's just hard to see the top names out so early. Um, I also, at the same time, think it's exciting for breakthrough wins. Like, I don't know if I would know who Jensen Castle was if, right, if she didn't win this week. So, um, and then, of course, Rachel Heck was a highlight for me. She did make it pretty far, and she just had this little, like, fan out there, and the little girl was walking a lot of holes. It was just, it was a really good watch. Um, yeah, so, it's was, a really yeah. good event. I think there's a lot of notes that I have, you know, like I said, Jensen Castle being the 63 seed and winning. Mm -hmm. To beat Rachel Heck in the semifinal, for those that don't know, Rachel Heck is the number two ranked amateur in the world, won the NCAA championship, All-American at Stanford. She's really played almost a professional schedule since, you know, May. She played here in Toledo at the Marathon Classic. She oh, played right. in the Women's Open. So she's really played an elevated schedule. But to beat Rachel in the semifinals and then come back the next day in the 36-hole final and have enough to win really speaks a lot about not only her mental approach but just how good she was playing. Because you see a lot of it in professional golf. Someone goes out in the first round and shoots 62, 63, something crazy low. It's hard to follow that up. Yeah. I think it's the same thing in these match play events where, you know, you beat a seed, you have a perceived upset. It's hard to bring that momentum back the next day. So that was one of my big highlights. The other thing, I'm big on venue. I talk about venue a lot. You know, Westchester Country Club hosted the Buick Open or Buick Classic for a while on the PGA Tour another great classic facility but if you look at where this event is going next year it's at chambers bay 23 it's at bel-air and 24 it's at southern hills the usga is really doing a great job of elevating all of their championships especially sure. on the women's side we talked a couple weeks ago about where the women's open is going i think this is another great example of the usga taking the women's amateur and taking it to some better venues um, with the Marion and the Oakmont announcement this yep. week, there's even additional opportunities for more, yeah, for more historic venues, which is great. You get these venues on television, really good for the event, seems to crown deserving champions, and I think it was a, a, another very successful championship for the USGA, had good television coverage on Peacock and across some of their other networks. Yeah, I thought it was great. It's such a good point about the venues. Um, I'm excited. I'm, it's exciting when the USGA is bringing the U.S. Amateur and the Women's Amateur to the same places. It, I think it creates a more even playing field. For Absolutely. Genders. And it creates some, you know, you start to become a, a little bit line. more familiar yeah. with the golf course. If you see a course in an AM and then the next year or two it's hosting an Open, whether that's on the men's or the women's side, I think familiarity is important in golf. 
you know, you're, you become more familiar with the holes, the setup, the course feel. I think that's a really good change. And I think the USGA, to their credit, really is doing a better job of elevating some of their the courses. And we'll get to that with some of the, the talk later on about the Open Championship. That's right. So what's your rating for uh, the U.S. Women's Amateur? Okay. I looked at it this way. Okay. It's a great event. It has a ton of history. But we have so much golf left still in the season between, you know, we'll touch on the Olympics. We have another major. We have the Solheim Cup. You still have the CME Championship. We've still got some domestic events, potentially an Asian swing. I gave this one a 3.7. Oh. <laughs> okay. A 3.7. I don't think that's a good score. It is. It's I wasn't a, a great. I wasn't a great student. <laughs> so 3.7 out of five. I mean, that's not a bad score. But you're right. It's not a professional event. Okay. Rose or Rachel Heck didn't win. Yep. It was a good storyline. I'm comfortable with a 3.7. Okay. That's what he says, you guys. We're moving on to the Olympics. Um, Nellie Corda won gold, her fourth victory of the season, and her first um, since becoming world number one. Um, Monet Inami and Lydia Ko tied for silver after the stroke play portion. Um, and so they had a playoff, and Inami won silver with a par, while Lydia Ko took bronze. Um, it was Lydia Ko's second Olympic medal, which is pretty sick in itself. Um, and to me, just when the best in the world play in the Olympics it, it gives us a show and you know it's not that it wasn't a show on the men's side we if you watch the shotgun start we all enjoyed watching Rory Sabatini medal but the pride of Bratislava yeah but you know when the best in the world in their craft compete in the Olympics it puts on a show and I think that's what we got how about I, you I totally agree um we I was nervous with the time change initially of how sure. much golf we would actually get to see um, it started out, you'd get a little bit of late prime time. What was it? Was it Tuesday? I, I get the days all confused because it started earlier, but it was. Yeah. So I think, you know, regardless. So you got, you know, the, the first couple rounds, you got late at night, um, got to see a little bit more than I anticipated seeing. And then Sunday, or the last day, Friday, gosh, I'm way off. <laughs> Friday, they start early. So it started, you know, around dinner time on the East Coast. So you got to watch quite a bit of it until the delay. But the Olympics, I think, are getting more and more momentum. You've had Inby Park win. Now you have Nellie Corda. You have Xander win on the men's side. Those are prominent players. Sure. The women's event had more storylines, I think, than the men's. And I'm very comfortable in saying that. But it it's getting momentum. It's only three years till Paris. I think it's a... It's a slam dunk. Yeah, and then will LA be twenty eight? Yeah, so twenty twenty eight. I think at Riviera. Oh my gosh, that'd be insane! And and like hopefully at that point, it's just a no brainer for everyone right. to compete in it. Right, and I think France will help that. I think when you look at the enthusiasm that Rory had, yep. that Nelly had, that some of the other participants had, when it's in Paris and it's easier to get to. Yeah. At I think Le Golf National. Oh, where they just where had the Ryder, Ryder Cup. Cup. So I think there'll be even more momentum. 
All right. Well, my birdie of the Olympics um, was Aditi Ashok. Um, she finished fourth, but just what a good story of the week. I certainly didn't know who she was before, even though she's played LET events. Um, and she finished She finished fourth. I wish she would have um, at least made it into the playoff between Anami and Ko, but um, just her playing on this global stage um, one hopes that the Olympics and especially golf in the Olympics helps grow the sport, the game in general. And, and maybe some young girls in India were looking up to her and getting excited. It seemed like media wise, like when you look at the Indian um, reporters on Twitter and stuff, it seemed like it was getting a lot of attention. It was getting a lot of publicity. It was definitely trending on Twitter oh, late right. in the night as you got closer to yeah. midnight and the action really started to heat up. There was a lot of positive vibes and a lot of good uh, publicity on the uh, social media front. I have so many notes about this event. I go for it, please. <laughs> uh, I read that they closed the golf course in May. So prior to the men's event last week, it had virtually no play. I thought it showed. I thought the golf course was in awesome shape. Felt like good shots were rewarded. Poor play was definitely penalized that you saw down the stretch with some of the, the players uh, struggling to finish. So the 18th hole provided a challenge. Um, day one, when the coverage first came on, I thought felt incredibly chaotic. Like you had all these great players on the golf course that had just played a few holes, and it was just back and forth, back and forth from group to group to group. And someone would be three under, and you say, I haven't even seen this person hit a shot. Now, I think that played itself out, but when you had so many top players all on the golf course at one time, and that doesn't normally happen so in a cool. regular event, yeah. it was uh, it was a lot to take in, but that kind of played itself out. I touched on the moving the, the tee times for round four. Yeah. I mean, that was a major blessing. I mean, I stayed up till the delay, fell asleep during the delay, woke up, watched Nellie birdie 17 uh -huh. and then fell asleep again <laughs> and woke up and watched the last hole and a half or last hole uh, on the replay. But to get to watch that much golf while it was in Tokyo and watch a lot of it live, uh, as I said before, with NB Park winning the first gold medal, Nellie, the Olympic golf movement for the women has a ton of momentum. Yeah. You, know, you brought up Inami fights like heck at home takes a silver medal. Lydia Ko, incredibly emotional after at the medal ceremony in her press conference talking about her family, wins another medal. Aditi, you mentioned, there's a lot of great storylines. We talked about Paris briefly. I think the Olympic momentum really has something on the women's side. I think it's gaining on the men's side. Um, I was reluctant, as we talked about a couple weeks ago on the format. Right. I would still like to see a bit of a team event, but I was listening to Max Homa's podcast and he brought up an interesting fact that I hadn't thought about with, as it relates to the format. He says, you know, mm. for other sports, swimming, track and field, gymnastics, they build up for four years to participate in one event. They don't change the rules or the format yeah. mm -hmm. for that one event. It's not all of a sudden, it doesn't go from the 100 meter to the 105 meter. Golf is traditionally a 72-hole stroke play event, and while we're more familiar with that and we get to see it week in and week out, that's usually the best way to crown a champion. So I know. It's some, interesting. Some format change I wouldn't dislike, but I kind of appreciate it as a good 
you know, PGA Tour player his perspective on that. So, I mean, I think the, the Olympics was a home run. I thought Golf Channel did a great job with their coverage. Yeah. And, I mean, it was on, you know, all evening and all night, which was great to see. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, and then, like, when we look at something like the amateurs where they've got stroke play and you have a stroke play medalist, it's like, are you adding medals and stuff? Like, things can get complicated when you add more to Well, and I think it's funny, too, how in a regular course of an event, players or professionals are playing for money, and the money and the points matter. Yeah. But in this instance, you know, people are so excited to try to finish second or try to finish third and you have that momentum that you never get week in and week out right you know aditi you're hoping can she get into the medal position can she hang on to win a medal for india and she just falls short but we were excited about third place right yeah if it was a regular week you'd say oh that's great she wins points world ranking status money secures a spot you know, unfortunately, she has such a great week, increases her notoriety, sure. helps her world ranking points, but, you know, doesn't necessarily help her LPGA standing and doesn't walk away with a medal. But she picked up a lot of good fans. Yep. All right. What was your rating for the Olympics? Okay. The rating <laughs> for the Olympics. And I put this on the context again, if we have to leave ourselves room yes. moving forward because you don't know what's ahead. So the number one player in the world wins a gold medal, happens to be an American. A Japanese player playing in Japan takes silver. A future Hall of Famer finishes with the bronze. And an unknown in Aditi from a country with no golf history finishes fourth. Yep. So it's tough in my mind to do a lot better than that. On a golf course, it while it's not going to be remembered forever, the condition was tremendous. So... I gave this a 4.5 rating. Wow. I feel like that's really good. I feel like that's a good rating. Okay. It, it, it would have maybe been higher, personally for me, if Shen Shen was able to hit the medal stand. <laughs> and I hope this isn't the last time that we get to see a lot of Shen Shen. Because she, everything about her... And I really just kind of became more familiar with her in the last year plus. But everything about her, her interviews is are so honest yep. and real. She owns everything about herself. She's so authentic from her stories about eating and drinking during COVID lockdowns to her appearance. It looked like one day she was wearing just like an untucked shirt and rain pants. Which is very possible. <laughs> And I just love everything about that. It was It's just so honest. And she's very much herself. Right. I didn't hear anything, like, afterward about her, like, officially retiring. Mm-mm. It was kept being said a lot, but right. I want to hear it from her mouth. The golf world will be a less happy, authentic place. I know. If Shen Shen walks off into the sunset. And I truly feel that she's now picked up so much momentum some of this due to social media and just some yeah. of these other stories, like at the match play when she was going to play in the, the third place match. And she yeah. basically said, well, I got to get to the U.S. Open. I don't care about the money or finishing third place and just withdrew. Like, and that's like, such an honest feeling. Like If you were playing in a club championship match and you lost a tough semifinal and they're like, OK, Abby, you have to go out tomorrow and play so-and-so in a meaningless third place match for some additional 
pro shop gift certificates <laughs> or a third place trophy, you'd, the honest answer would be screw it. Right, I'm all set. Right, I'm good. I'll rest on my laurels and I'll go. And that's what Shen Shen did. And, and then I she love was so relatable when people asked her what she did during COVID. She was right. just like eating and sleeping until right. the next meal. Watched some television, ate, thought about what I was going to eat next. Maybe had a cocktail or two in there. I just, I think she's so authentic in a world where, you know, being who you are sometimes is, you know, trampled down by social media and other outside factors and sponsors and things like that. Yep. She is real. And I think the American public, even though she's had a very good career, the golfing public is just starting to get a taste of her. And I hope she, uh, she decides to maybe take some time off and rebound and, you know, keeps coming around because she would be missed. Yeah. All right, well, moving on, we're going to do more of a looking forward type of situation since the Scottish Open is currently being played. Um, but we have the final major of the season, the AIG Women's Open at Carnoustie Golf Links in Scotland. Defending champion is Sofia Popov, who most know her story. She didn't have her LPGA Tour status um, until she won. Um, one month prior, she caddied for Ann Van Dam here at Inverness at the Drive-On Championship because she wasn't even in the field. And then the following week, still in Toledo, Ohio area, she finished in the top 10 at the Marathon Classic, which got her a spot in the AIG Women's Open. Um, so great story. Obviously also brought up a lot of controversy about just getting into other majors. I feel like, it, you know, these things have to happen. So change happens. But um, it was ex such an exciting victory for her. Um, and yeah, she is one of those 14 of the last 15 major champions that have been won by a first time major champion. Um, do you think this trend will continue? I think it's hard to there's always so many variables in an open championship. You have everybody going off the first tee. Yep. So that creates these massive swings in the waves, especially with the, the weather. So the draw plays such an important part. You'll see that sometimes in a open, a U.S. Open or a you know, ladies professional tournament, but very rarely it's a dramatic. But you see a lot of instances where in the Open Championship, the draw makes such a difference. So I think it's always a tough tournament to project who will contend because someone could just get the bad end of the draw and be out of it. But it's an awesome venue. It's a historic venue. I, I talked about this to other people, but you think about Carnoustie, and you you know people think about you know Jean Vandeveld, but. You know, Ben Hogan won at Carnoustie. Tom Watson won at Carnoustie. Gary Player won at Carnoustie. Yanni Seng won in 2011 mm. at the Women's Open at Carnoustie when she was at, you know, the height of her powers. It, it produces a lot of memorable finishes and memorable venues. So I think there's still a lot of players that haven't broken through, not just necessarily for majors, but even for LPGA victories a few weeks ago. You know, Jennifer Cupshow was right there at the end and in mm -hmm. Ireland and almost won. I just think there's a lot of good players that haven't yet gotten over the hump. And you throw in some of the variabilities of Lynx golf, I think there's a good chance that we see another uh, first-time major winner and perhaps even a first-time winner. It, which I, like, can't tell if I'm excited about that or not. Like, I like 
when there's somebody who you're like, oh, I'm going to root for them because, like, they're going to totally play well and fit. Like, I, you know. The so you're a front runner? Yeah. I like having a front runner. <laughs> I'm really into it. So you want Nelly to win, like, the next yeah. six events. Yeah. I, I would be totally down for that. Like, let's I mean, It's good go. for golf. People like <laughs> dominance. People like to watch, you know, Tiger Woods win. People love to watch Annika win. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, like, it's great to have breakthrough winners. That typically means, like, you know, it's another person for people to get excited about, become fans of. Um, and that's why, you know, who do I have my eyes on to contend? I I would love to have Nellie Corda just continue on this winning streak that she's had. Um, and then, you know, I was looking at Ann Van Dam as my pick because she was playing well. But I went and looked at her her results like, are not her results ideal. Results are not good, and I was like, "This is a bad choice, Abby. Yeah, like, you Van, need to reconsider." Anne Van Dam has an unbelievable golf swing. She oh, kills beautiful. the golf ball. But when you start breaking down her recent form, yeah, I was like, "Oh, I can't. That can't be my pick outside of Nelly Corda." So I'm I shifted to Yelimi No, who okay. is currently T nine. She finished third at the Avion. I she's only twenty years old. I, I think if, if we are going to have another first-time major champion, um, I, I think it could be her. Yep. Um, I think That'd be enough to get her to Solheim, which we talked yes. about before. Yes. And I just think when you are early on in your career, you are fearless. And I think she's probably still in that stage. So that, those are my picks. How about you? So I think selfishly, I think that we could talk about Nellie Corda winning would be great for the Solheim Cup. She'd come in having two majors and a gold medal. Mm-hmm. I am going a little bit off the beaten path a little bit. My pick to win is currently, as of this recording, 11th in the CME standings, 51st in the world rankings, okay. five straight top five, fifth, top five straight top 15 finishes, now, that could come to an end this week. Got in the metal mix a bit in Tokyo before a tough last half day. Has not won on tour, but is trending. Former number one world amateur. I am going to go. Wait, I want to guess. What is where, where is she, Where is she from? Well, that'll give it away. Oh, okay. She's not American. Okay. Oh, my gosh. She was number one. In Wagger? Yep, for a long, long time. Oh, my gosh. Multiple-time All-American. Uh, you said has not had... Has not had an LPGA Tour victory. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Played in the both, fun fact, played in oh. the Rio and the Tokyo Olympics. Oh, my gosh. I'm blanking. Just go. Leona McGuire. Oh, okay. All right. I think she is due. I think she's trending in a positive direction. She played well at the KPMG she played pretty solid at Evian as I said got into the mix a bit in Tokyo before kind of falling off a bit Uh, has the pedigree of being a winner being a top flight player I think she is due to perform I don't know what her history is I think I looked it up she did miss the cut last year Mm. at the AIG so we'll need to buck a little bit of that trend but She's a cut-making machine, yeah, and she is due. But I think this is going to be another great event. I mean, Carnoustie, we've talked about its history, but, again, 
I'm getting hung up on venue, and some people don't care about venue, but I think it projects to the direction of women's golf. Yep. Carnoustie in 2021, Muirfield in 2022, and the old course in 2024. Fantastic, Rhoda. I mean, right. Women's majors are just getting elevated it's great. to a well-deserved higher echelon. The USGA and the RNA are really carrying a lot of that weight, and that's mm -hmm. good. The PGA is stepping up Atlanta Athletic Club this year. Sure. There's some additional strong venues coming down there. Rotation as well. I think it's going to put added pressure on... Not just maybe, I don't ever see a situation where the ANA moves mm -hmm. or Evian certainly isn't moving, but you're definitely going to see a situation where the women's open is continually elevated and the U.S. women's open is already at the top. And as these venues continue to get better and better, that gap is only going to increase. Yeah. Yep. And while the ANA has been out there for a while, and there's a long list of winners. It's going to be difficult when you get to see, you know, wing foot or um, Olympic, Atlanta Athletic Club, Carnoustie, Muirfield, Congressional, and then you're comparing that to Evian. Yeah. And I know. You know the yeah. A and A course. It's a good situation. It is a good situation. It's creating an odd yes. situation a little bit, just in the disparity. Sure. But it's also a good. Uh, Problem. I don't even think problems are. It's a good situation to have because it is elevating women's golf and mm -hmm. women's majors as a whole, and putting pressure on not only other facilities, the LPGA Tour to continue to, yeah. you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. So we're here at Inverness and the, the Solheim Cups in a couple weeks That's away. Right. Yeah. So. I am. I'm looking at Leona's results. She is. I mean, she she's only missed two cuts this year, and she hasn't finished worse than. She had one week where she finished tied for 56, but otherwise she's been in like the top 30 or above. Right. That's pretty awesome. Hey, I'm, I like I'm well I'm well researched. You are. I was she was trending. <laughs> I I just have a good good vibes. I think Leona has a she will probably make the Solheim Cup team mm -hmm. um, regardless of what happens in the next couple of weeks, but I wouldn't mind seeing a European winner come over. As the uh, the champion, I think that's good for the Solheim Cup, good for that event, and you know you'll probably get your wish, and Nelly will come over with multiple <laughs> trophies and gold medals and all these other things, which is also great for the event. Right. Um. Well, also noted with this championship is that it is one of two events left, or the AIG Women's Open should be the last championship um, for points to be determined for the women to get into the Solheim Cup. We've got this week and the following week. Yeah, I don't know offhand when their cutoff is, but it has to be coming I up. I think there's just two events left, So, and that would be this week and next week. So um, there's a lot of, you know, there's women on the USA side who are definitely on the bubble. Um, Megan came, Brittany Altamar, Jennifer Cupshow, um, Angela Stanford. Angela Stanford's like 20 points, 10 points back. So I feel like it's kind of between those three, but then there's certainly... Uh, I think it's like within the Rolex rankings, there's like two more spots that are filled. And then of course, captain's picks. On the European side, it's a lot more based on captain's picks. Um, but those teams are shaping out to be exciting and we'll, we'll have to set up our next conversation to be more Solheim Cup focused. Absolutely, we'll have to get some of our uh, local experts to come in, tell us a little bit more about the event and all yeah. that good stuff. I think so, I think that'd be good. 
Um, well, do you have anything else you'd like to say about women's golf before we hop off? Um, not particularly. I played Carnoustie That's in right. 2018. Did yep. not play well. That seems to be it. We started this podcast talking <laughs> about me not playing well. I think it's a good way to come full circle to talk about my marginal golf game. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I shot 79 or 80. Okay. We played there in April of 2018, right kind of as they were setting up for the uh, Open Championship that Molinari won. But... Um, I gave my yardage book to a buddy of mine who's actually going to be caddying. I said, you got a nice long plane flight. You can memorize all these numbers and figures. There you go. I didn't take a single note when I was out there. (laughs) But it looks nice. (laughs) It's a pristine (laughs) copy. The cellophane might have still been on it. But uh, no, nothing else about women's golf. Oh, we didn't get to our fun fact. Oh, please. My trivia question. I didn't look at it either, so. Do you know the name or the year of the last medalist at the women's amateur stroke play medalist that went on to win the championship she's no longer active on the lpga tour she was briefly but she is fairly prominent in golf through the media that's my hint was it 2008 yes are you <laughs> he kidding looks so disappointed you <laughs> look so disappointed so to be fair like i was there right so like we talk about these things you were there in 2008 no i was there this past okay. two weeks ago so like these things get brought up while we're just like hanging out but wait i don't know if i know the player's name it's somebody who who went on to win she, she was the medalist she was the co-medalist in 2008 and won but she's still involved in golf still involved in golf so like beat azahara munoz there's another fun fact in the final. That is a good one. Um, is she on Golf Channel? Yes. Uh, Amanda Blumenhurst. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're 0 for 2 <laughs> in stumping you. You're probably cheating, but I'll ask Brennan about that because he'll be able to confirm if you would be cheating. Okay. But, yes, that is correct. Oh, I... She lost a year before in the finals and okay. then came back to win the next year. Yeah, what a career she had as an amateur. Oh, yeah. Insane. Awesome player at Duke, so that's my fun fact of the day. I'm so happy for myself. (laughs) I am thrilled. All right, well, can't wait for the next one. We'll probably talk mostly Solheim Cup. It's going to be great. Yeah, we'll Uh, we'll do a recap of the A quick recap of the Women's Open. Yeah. Talk about Solheim Cup. Yeah. All right, till next time. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Always. Mm -hmm.